Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And we are back for another victory edition of Believe in 49ers presented by the Believe Podcast Network and Bet Online. I am your host, Tommy Call the Third. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy underscore III. That is triple I for the third. And you can catch all of my written work about the Niners via USA Today's Niners Wire. Posted about 10 stories over the last two days about the 49ers win over the Seattle Seahawks. So if you're craving more after Believe in 49ers, head over to Niners Wire. Ladies and gentlemen, and all my friends here with the Believe Network, the San Francisco 49ers sent a message on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks, and it's that they are an absolute wagon. The 49ers rolled to another win over the Seattle Seahawks, two wins and three weeks over their division rival, make that five consecutive wins over the Seahawks, this week to the tune of 28 to 16 and that final score still makes this game sound a bit closer than it really looked today on believe in 49ers we're going to react to that game against the seahawks highlight some key plays and moments from the games things we like things we didn't but before we get there we have a quick shout out from our friends over at bet online bet online remains your top spot for all live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to BetOnline today and use your promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Speaking of bet online, your boy got kind of hot over the weekend and did some damage with our friends over there. Drink some pizza on me the next time we link up for a little believe in 49ers meetup when we preview the next when we preview next week's game against the Cardinals. I'll make sure to hand out some locks some winners for next week and see if we can kind of keep this fire going a little bit. But anyways, we're not here to talk about that yet. We're going to talk about the 49ers 28-16 win over the Seahawks in week 14 in Santa Clara this past Sunday. And that starts with Brock Purdy. And talking about Brock, I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit here. Give you all listeners a little sneak peek behind the curtain and just how Believe in 49ers comes to life. Going to show you how the cookies get baked, the you know, the potatoes get mashed, or whatever whatever that saying is. Before each episode, I drop a little rundown with what I'm going to talk about on the podcast. Because I'm a professional, and that's what professionals do here on the Believe Network. And last week I spent a good chunk of the podcast raving about Brock Purdy's performance against the Eagles. Well, folks, let's just rinse and repeat here. If you have the episode downloaded and saved, just replay that because Brock Purdy is still and is playing like one of the best players in all of football. He absolutely 
belongs in the conversation for MVP, and there's really not much else to say. On Sunday, he went out and thrilled the Seahawks, cutting them up with little pressure. He put together a career day, passing for a career best 368 yards. Last week, I saw some 49ers personalities kind of jawing on Twitter that Purdy let his playmakers do most of the work against the Eagles. Well, again, folks, you, can, you can't say that this week. The Seahawks weren't worried about Purdy taking them deep, and he made them pay. He had three completions over 40 yards to Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and George Kittle on his way to a career day through the air. Purdy dealt explosive play after explosive play on Sunday while dishing out passes all over the yard. That point guard mentality we talked about last week was still there. He's not leaning on Brandon Ayuk to do everything for him. He's not leaning and only targeting Debo Samuel or George Kittle. He's not getting stuck. The ball is flying and connecting with multiple playmakers. You know, with Purdy and Shanahan clicking, the 49ers don't have to rely on one player. They don't need the big Debo game or the big Christian McCaffrey game. With everyone involved like they were on Sunday and the Sunday previous, I'm not sure there's a defensive game plan that can really limit this team. Defensive coordinators are just daring or hoping Purdy is the one that makes mistakes at this point because trying to take away an individual player like a Debo Samuel, McCaffrey, Kittle, Ayuk, it just isn't working because you take one of them away, Purdy's going to find the other, and so on and so forth. Each week, Purdy pulls back the curtain a little more and a little more, and we can see a new addition of the quarterback he is. One week, it's backyard Brock, where he's running all over the yard, throwing across his body to wide-open receivers for touchdowns. The next week, it's checking everything down, hitting guys underneath, letting his playmakers do damage. Then this week, it's plant and fire, downfield, and stretch the offense. When talking about Purdy, I think there's something that doesn't get mentioned enough. Myself included, I fell for this. And I'm sure a lot of you listening thought about it a lot when the conversation, you know, surrounded Purdy in the offseason, whether he'd be the starting quarterback or if Trey Lance was going to be involved or you know, what it would look like with Purdy under center for a full season. Defenses are going to figure him out. That was something that anytime you brought up Brock Purdy, someone who maybe didn't believe in him or just even to keep the conversation going, a valid, valid question or thought, opinion, whatever you want to say, is defenses are going to figure him out. As Purdy's portfolio gets larger in the NFL that you know narrative of defenses figuring him out is almost the exact opposite he is figuring out those defenses we're getting to a point where this kid makes every throw you don't know where to poke holes in his game like yeah does he make some throws you'd want back does he gamble a bit at times does he make mistakes what quarterback doesn't 49er fans just spent years watching Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback who doesn't gamble and just is at his best when he takes what the defenses give him. Purdy is not that. Purdy is dictating what happens 
on the field with the 49ers offense. We have seen so many, I don't want to say evolutions, but we've seen, seen so many different versions of Purdy, like I previously mentioned, whether it's having to be play the gunslinger, whether it is checking down the receivers, whether it's stretching the field like he did on Sunday. This quarterback has had, had a hand in all 10 of the 49ers' wins so far this season, and they're at 10 through 14 games. I mean, it's very impressive. And I think it leads to our next point. Before we move on to our next player, we have to talk about the MVP chatter because I think it's warranted. Purdy should be near the top of that conversation, especially after this week with Tyreek getting hurt and the Dolphins dropping a dud on Monday night to the Titans. You can kind of shift Tua maybe completely out of the conversation. Tyreek, who I think deserves a mention, especially if he cracks near 2,000 yards. He deserves to be in the conversation. And then, you know, Jalen Hurts quiet in another loss. Then there's Dak Prescott, who I think is very deserving. Everybody loves to beat up on Dak, but he has been spectacular this season and has been an engine for that Cowboys high-powered offense. And they finally got a signature win against the Eagles this week. But, I mean, if the 49ers are the number one seed and they beat Prescott and the Cowboys, I think it would be hard to vote for Prescott over Purdy in that situation. What, Purdy would be knocked because he plays with Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Christian McCaffrey? I mean, look at the weapons over there in Dallas. You don't see Dak getting knocked for some of those guys out there, like CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. I think Lamar Jackson, you know, is another player that could easily sneak into the conversation. But outside of, you know, Purdy, Prescott, Hurts, Tyreek, Lamar, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, you could probably throw in that group. Um, defensively, Micah Parsons, obviously, you know, doing a lot of special things for the Cowboys defense. I'm sure there's probably a name I'm missing. But, I mean, right now, I think it is Purdy's award to lose. Obviously, they're going to have some more big moments as the season goes on. And Purdy's going to need to continue this level. But, I mean, at this point, he has the stats. He has the perfect passer rating game. 368 yards. He has four touchdown passing games. You can't really tend to knock him if he's going to keep putting up the stats and the wins and evolving as a player each week. And we're seeing different versions of him where, you know, I think early in the season, you'd think if, you know, if the checkdowns aren't there or if the underneath crosses aren't there and they're kind of daring him to throw outside the numbers. Maybe that's kind of playing into the defensive game plan. Well, if that is your defensive game plan going forward, good luck. Now let's move on to another player we have to give some credit to and talk about, and that is Debo Samuel. Similar to last week, I've said it once and I'll say it again. When Debo Samuel is switched on, the San Francisco 49ers just play a different brand of football. Call it swagger. Call it versatility, call it attitude, call it edge, call it dynamic playmaking. Whatever you want, the common denominator is Debo Samuel. After an impressive performance against the Eagles, Debo doubled down with another fiery effort against the Seahawks on Sunday. Seven catches, 149 yards. He did it with speed. He did it with power. We got the full Debo Samuel repertoire on Sunday. 
He caught a long 52-yard touchdown from Purdy after blowing past the Seahawks secondary. Then later in the game, Samuel weaves through the secondary on a crafty set of moves to set up his one-yard touchdown run one play later. That run was awesome. Breaking, breaking guys down on the Seattle defense. And after a flat start in the second half, I mean, something we have kind of skipped over, the one kind of sticky situ- sticky part of this game was, I thought, you know, the 49ers coming out of halftime and even ending that second quarter, it was just dull. I was texting back and forth with a buddy who was at the game in the press box, and he was just weird joking around how boring the game was, and then it really kind of went 0-100 to 100 in the third you know, the end of the third quarter leading into the fourth quarter. And that spark that, that Kyle Shanahan looked to was Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And they absolutely delivered. It seems like Samuel's kind of picking up some of that magic from that breakout 2020-2021 season where he totaled nearly 1,800 yards from scrimmage. This is the closest we've seen Debo to that form. And in these big moments, you know, against a divisional, like the Seattle Seahawks, think about dating back, what is it, three weeks ago now, two weeks ago, they were a threat. They acquired Lennon Williams at the trade deadline. Seems like they were one of the better teams in the NFC. And yeah, Geno Smith was hurt. And you got to give some credit to, you know, Drew Locke for keeping the Seahawks in this game, kind of. I don't know if that's a stretch. But the Seahawks were supposed to be, you know, somebody. And obviously the rivalry is there, the divisional battle, all that stuff. But they just look broken now. I mean, DK Metcalf's having temper tantrums. Geno Smith's injured. I mean, did you hear Leonard Williams' name really get called on Sunday? I mean, this team is obviously in a lot different place than they were three weeks ago. You know, moving on to another player, let's talk about some defensive guys because I think, you know, we're going to kind of skip past Christian McCaffrey because, again, he just another day at the office for him. 72 yards out the gate to start the game. And, I mean, he's just as consistent, as good, big of a stud as there is. So we're going to move on to Fred Warner. You know, with the 49ers facing a backup quarterback, Andrew Locke, I think Fred Warner specifically took advantage. Warner was all over the field on Sunday, racking up eight tackles, a pass deflection, and a key interception. It seemed like Warner really ramped things up when the 49ers had a chance to close out the Seahawks, kind of deal that final haymaker. You know, with pressure looming around him, coming off a sack, Locke desperately slung a high-arcing pass deep down the field. And with the ball floating over the middle of the field on its way to DK Metcalf, Warner leapt through the air to make an impressive acrobatic play on the ball to come down with an interception. I feel like there's maybe a handful of, you know, defensive players, linebackers specifically, that could make the play on the ball that Fred Warner did on Sunday. And I mean, that list is very short. And Fred Warner absolutely deserves to be on it i mean he put the game on ice with that interception theatric in theatrics ensued on the field after the interception we're going to talk about that here in a second but yeah i just thought fred warner was very switched on in this game really was all over the field it seems like any time 
the Seahawks, you know, threatened. Um, Warner came up with a big play, a big stop. It seems like he was extra turned up for this one on Sunday. Um, speaking of defense, you know, I have been very critical of the 49ers secondary. I've gone on the record saying that is a weak spot for the team. However, they continue to prove me wrong during the stretch of wins, starting with Mr. Lenore. Despite Mooney Ward getting injured early in the game, Lenore stepped up in a big way. He helped limit Metcalf to, I think, only one single catch for 31 yards after he caught that touchdown, which was against Ward. Lenore also picked off Drew Locke, but it was later negated due to Nick Bosa being offsides. Lenore ended the game with three tackles, two pass deflections. However, he was ejected off, in my opinion, an extremely soft call after Metcalf was very frustrated. Tempers flared on the Warner interception to kind of end the game. And he had a little meltdown. And Lenore was ejected along with Metcalf. Um, however, it puts a slight hitch on, in my opinion, a very impressive performance from Lenore. And their 49ers are going to need him out there on the field and need more efforts like this, especially if Mooney Ward is continue to be injured with that groin injury. Got to talk about Mitch Wisnowski before we get out of here. I had to mention that fake punt, run, whatever you want to call it. You know, with the 49ers slated to punt the ball away, Wisnowski took off on a fake punt, blazing past the Seahawks, surprised defense for a clear first down. However, offsetting penalties negated the big game from Wisnowski. After the game, Kyle Shanahan said he didn't call a fake punt and was surprised Wisnowski took off running. And then the Australian punter explained to reporters that he just won it. And as a, fe as a fellow just wing it guy, I approve. I mean, it was shout out to him. I want to give credit because it looked like he saw something and that had to come from film or scouting because you just saw, I think it was, I can't remember what different uh, set player in the secondary it was, but he just turned around, turned his back and ran in coverage and Wisnowski snuck right behind him and ran for a clear first down. It looked like they saw, he may have saw something in film. You know, he kind of took, obviously, the ball and the momentum carried him down the right side of the field. But it looked like he really saw the, you know, whatever person was dropping in coverage, turn their head and sprint back to try to get back to, you know, block for the punt return. And he just followed him. It was a great play by him. I approve. And I approve just winging it. Shout out to that. Um, have some honorable mentions to talk about here before we talk about some of the things we didn't like from Sunday's game. You know, the 49ers offensive line, again, I felt this group played well, led by Trent Williams with him out there. It is just a different beast on the offensive line. It felt like Purdy was clean all game, had enough time to take those five-step drops and really rip it downfield for those explosive plays we talked about early. Christian McCaffrey cut through massive holes created by the big guys up front. Another solid performance from the 49ers offensive line. I think Nick Bosa deserves an audible mention. You know, I've been critical of him when he doesn't pull up with the sack numbers. He had six tackles, one and a half sacks on Sunday to go along with a tackle for loss and a pass deflection. Bosa simply owns the Seahawks, racking up three and a half sacks against them this season. And, you know, obviously 
sacks don't do everything for edge defenders like we've talked about and bosa has clearly caused havoc up front and freed guys up like javon hargrave eric armstead and so on and so forth but just when he is also cleaning up the quarterback and etching those sacks it just that's why you pay him the big bucks right that's what he is paid to do out there and it just adds another element another scary element to this 49ers defense but let's talk about a little bit now that we got the positive and the praise and we got to be a little bit nitpicky here right i mean this this 49ers team is competing for a super bowl we have to be a little bit critical and so let's find some things that stuck out and are worth talking about on the negative side starting with penalties two key penalties negated big place for the 49ers on sunday that i've already mentioned penalties took away a lenore interception and wisnowski's long run on fourth down if this game was closer both of these could have been absolutely critical the 49ers had five total penalties for 30 yards on sunday something they're gonna have to clean up lastly you know we got to talk about the injuries seattle's game did not come without a price three key members of the 49ers defense suffered injuries on sunday mooney ward dre greenlaw javon hargrave oren brooks all exited the game with injuries at some point in the contest greenlaw was able to return but the rest missed the remainder of the game hargrave and ward will headline the list of injuries we all know hargrave has been one of my favorite players this season while ward has been the absolute leader of the secondary in an already thin group that's missing star safety it's either you know if either of these guys have to miss extended time the 49ers will have to lean on players like lenore javon kenlaw you know some guys are going to have to step up especially with the interior of that defensive line eric armstead being banged up you know that's two key key pieces and it kind of speaks to what i said earlier about bosa you know kind of having to do it himself he can't just be the guy out there freeing other guys up he's going to have to produce sacks and pressures on his own especially if you know john kenlaw kevin givens guys like that are going to be in the middle of the defense they played well i thought they limited zach charbonnet and uh, kenneth walker to very limited action felt like you know you had a couple long runs from charbonnet you had the one kind of scramble run from uh walker but the 49ers run defense was clicking um oren burks another one we're gonna have to keep an eye on because then it shifts to a very young 49ers group the winters could get some run the rookie out of tcu um but yeah it's going to be next man up especially you know the 49ers could you know look to take it easy this week with the arizona cardinals on the docket who are very much you know trying to in play for that first overall pick um you know especially with a spot i'm recording this podcast on monday so we just found out that the uh, 49ers clinched a playoff spot due to the Giants beating the Packers on Monday Night Football, you know, and now they face a struggling Arizona Cardinals this weekend. The 49ers could, you know, play it safe um, with both starting defenders if they're still dealing with injuries before they play the Ravens in two weeks on Monday Night Football, a big game against one of the best teams in the AFC. A Super Bowl preview? Is that too early to say? 
But that's going to do it for us here on Believe in 49ers. Like I said, I am recording this on Monday night. And like I mentioned earlier, the 49ers have officially clinched a playoff berth in the NFC after the Giants and Tommy DeVito pulled off that upset win against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers. The 49ers will need to win out their final four games to likely clinch the number one overall seat in a bye in the first round of the the postseason. However, shout out to the 49ers for clinching that playoff spot. And you know what today also marks? This also wraps up the fantasy football regular season for most of you out there. Did you make the playoffs? If you have Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel or potentially Brock Purdy, you likely did. Let me know if you made the playoffs. We talked about fantasy football during draft season a lot. I am in seven total leagues. Seven. That is real. And I know it sounds ridiculous. And there are all fairly serious and fairly competitive. One of them is a dynasty league we've been doing forever that you keep everybody and in six of the seven leagues, I made the playoffs. However, one league I missed out is full of like my long time, uh, a group of my longtime childhood friends mixed with some college buddies. It's actually a group of people all who were in my wedding and bachelor party. And we've been doing it for like four years now. And we've all kind of become closest friends. And I am absolutely enemy number one in that league so i've definitely heard my fair share of trash talk over the last couple weeks and it hurts to be on the outside looking in and this week was the final week and i was playing one of my closest friends from college and we had a little wager on our game and i lost that bet and now i have to run 10 miles this week and do 200 push-ups throughout the week so not nothing crazy nothing out of the normal but I have to report all my miles and push-ups to the group chat. And I also have to text the group chat each morning with what the weather is going to look like and a recommendation on what to wear. So it would be like, hey, it's going to be 62 degrees today. I'd recommend wearing a hoodie versus a raincoat. So yeah, I'll probably be a little cranky. um, And I'll be paying a heavy price this week. But that's what makes fantasy football fun, right? doing stuff like that because if I was on the other side of this I would be laughing up a storm lastly you know before we take off here I want to mention in our preview podcast going forward I'm going to start mentioning and looking over some different prospects excuse me NFL draft prospects different players to watch and going over some mock drafts I know that the 49ers are kind of set for the playoffs but draft season is heating up and with Niners wire I'd like to kind of stay on top of the draft stuff And we talk about college football a lot here on Believe in 49ers. And it's never too early to look into different prospects who might land with the 49ers in April. If you have a prospect you are interested in, please reach out. And I will watch him and talk about him. One of my favorite things to do. Insane. We still have three weeks until the college football playoff. When that gets close, I will be talking about some players and also reveal my prediction for the college football playoff. Let's just be honest. We all know the Washington Huskies are going to be my pick. Go dogs! We'll shortly be back here on Believe in 49ers with a preview of the 49ers contest against Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. It's funny, the Warriors are actually gearing up to play Bradley Beal and the Suns this week while the 49ers are set to play the Cardinals. 
yikes i probably shouldn't mention the fort the warriors with that mess that they are but anyways we'll talk about all that and more soon right here on the believe network please subscribe to the pod to stay tuned for our next episode hit me on twitter if you want to talk some ball got a take on a player for the nfl draft a good prop bet want to talk about the dubs the warriors college football whatever hit me up on twitter at tommy underscore iii and i'll always ride with my believe in 49ers listeners thank you to our sponsor bet on i line and as always thank you for listening here on believe in 49ers thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.